Welcome to the Darwinian Demon Podcast. Today's show is about species, and specifically, what is a species? How we define species as, as biologists, and what, what it means to be a species. So when we ask, what is a species, that's a deceptively, it's a really deceptively complicated question, because you might think, we might think we understand what species are, and intuitively we kind of get it, but when pressed about it, when pressed about definitions of species, that's when it gets a little bit squirrely. That's when it gets a little bit complicated. Because as scientists, we basically have to get completely subjective when it comes to species. We try to be scientific about it, but we get really subjective. And that's, that's some of the stuff I'm going to talk about today. So first of all, when we think about species, you say, well, you, th you think in your mind, well, a species, it's, it's a kind of animal. You know, like a wolf is a different species from a coyote or a, you know, it might not be the best example, right, from what we're going to talk about later. But like a, a, a snail is a different species from an oak tree, right? They're, you're clearly, they're clearly different, right? They're clearly, and what, what makes them different? Well, it's because you look at them and you see that they're different. That's the first thing. And that simple thing that you look at them and see what that what they look like that's that's what biologists do biologists you know they look at things and see that they're different we take out calipers calipers and rulers and measure them and measure the differences but at the end of the, of the day we're looking at how things look we're looking at morphology and so we're judging things based on how different they are and the real question for what makes a species is, well, how different do things have to be before we say they're different species? Right? And that's, that's where it gets subjective. And there are other definitions of species that, that I'm, I can, one of which I'm, I'm going to talk about a lot, but they all basically get to be subjective. They all are subjective. So what are we what are we trying to say? What are we what are we really trying to get at when we even call something species? Like why do we even have to do this? What are we trying to get at? Well, I think there's two maybe even three things that um that we're trying to get at as biologists when we think about species. The first one is we're interested in a group of potentially interbreeding organisms. And that there's a lot going on in that sentence, right? It's a we're interested in interbreeding organs. We're interested in organisms that can breed, right? So organisms that can pass their genes on to each other, that can basically have, that can basically evolve or traits from one organism can be passed to the other, to, to the two others. So traits of one member of the species can be passed on to other members of the species. We also assume they have we're also trying or trying to, to get at whether they have a shared evolutionary history, right? Whether they share their evolutionary history. They've been to, they, they've, um, 
they're, they, they haven't evolved independently, right? They have shared ancestry. And then, and then the last part is, I, I honestly think the last part is a little, is true too. We, we're, we group things based on what they look like. So if they look the same, we call them different species. And how do, how do biologists do this? How do biologists go through and pick different species? Well, first of all, if you go through, if you go through a, what we, these field guides, right? You can go to the bookstore. You can go in the uh, science section of the bookstore. And then the nature section of the science section, you'll find uh, field guides. And there's all these field guides um, in the bookstore. And what you see is, is a lot of pictures of, of whatever types of organisms you're, you're interested in. Now, those field guides, funny, it's funny thing about those field guides, the ones with the pictures are, are actually usually the, the most useless. And biologists tend to use field guides that don't have as, as many pictures because we're usually interested in specific traits. And as, as a botanist, I'm interested in the reproductive traits. So we're, we're, always, we're mostly interested in reproductive traits as botanists. I don't know. I don't, this might be true for zoologists too, but who knows? I'm not going to ask them. So as a... As a botanist, we're interested in these reproductive traits. We're interested in flowering traits. And, and that's a funny thing about how we, how we define species because we, we really do define species based on their morphology, but what we're interested in is whether or not they interbreed. And so one way to look at how, whether to, to quickly discern whether or not they can interbreed is to look at their reproductive parts, right? So if you see... If you see two plant species and they have really different flowers, most botanists, 99% of botanists are going to see these their different species. And if the and if the flowers are really really different, they might say, "Well, they're in different families." And if they're super different, and then if they're maybe if there's some other differences involved, they may say that that go beyond just the flower and they might say, "Well, then they're uh, maybe they're even in, in a different class or a different order something like that so depending on how different the reproductive parts look those are the those are the, really the diagnostic traits to try to figure out whether or not something is this is a different species and this is usually done by an expert right someone who's an expert on the group someone who understands the evolutionary history of the group or thinks they understand the evolutionary history of the group right and so you have to be an expert to even call something a species. That's the funny thing. Like if you're just a regular person on the, walking down the street and you see a, a plant, you can't, you can't name that species, right? You can't just look at it and say, hey, that's, oh, that, that's, that's such and such. I mean, you can try. You can name it in your neighborhood, but you, know, it, it won't, you won't get very far with that, right? You have to be some kind of an expert and you have to publish this whole long treatise on, on what the species is. And if you're an expert, you can either you can also look at groups and look at species and lump them into one species. So you can look at two things and say, well, you know, they're slightly different, but I don't think this difference is big enough for them to be called a different species. So I'm going to say they're the same species. Or you could split species. You could see someone else could have years, years earlier said two different things were species. And you could look at them and say, well, I think that these groups 
um, although they have these differences, I don't think that these differences are strong enough to call them species. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to lump these and say that this is all just one species. And depending on what other people who are other experts in the group think, then you might be successful and those might be species. Now you can also find new species. An expert could be somewhere in, in some remote area or in some area where no one's really, um, name species no westerner has named species and they could name species so you can find a new species and based on what it looks like can name it and for botanists again this is all based on looking at the the reproductive parts but why is it what is this fascination why why the reproductive parts why are the reproductive parts so important and i think they're probably important for a lot of different organisms and and that's because what we really care about what we really care about is whether or not organisms can interbreed, right? We really care about whether they can interbreed because if they can interbreed, then they can pass on genes back and forth between each other. And so they're not really evolving independently. They're not evolving independently at all, right? But if they can't interbreed, then they're evolving independently. So there's something about being able to interbreed. There's something about basically even if things look a little different if they could go back and start looking more similar because they interbred they're the same species but once that the ability to interbreed is is cut off then they're a different species and that brings us to this to this concept in biology called the biological species concept and the biological species concept is this this species concept or or a definition of species based on whether or not the organisms can interbreed so the easiest way to think about it is can the organisms interbreed uh yes well then they're different species if they can't interbreed then they um i mean can the organism interbreed yes then they're sorry then they're they're um if they can interbreed they're not different species if they can't interbreed then they are different species so the, and the biological species concept, if you were to ask most biologists, they'd say, yeah, you know, I think I, I, I generally follow, I generally um, agree with the biological species concept. But the funny thing about that is it is a pretty useless species concept when you get down to it. When you get down to actually trying to name species or deal with whether or not two organisms belong to different species, most most biologists are not going to then set up a, a breeding design to try to look to see what, see if things are, are, are different species, right? They're not going to do that because it's too much work. And so these, and so already you can see that there's, there's different ways of naming species, right? So the first way I talked about was based on morphology and that's really called the morph morphological species concept. So the way, the way that things look, um, morphology when you name species based on their on the way they look that's the the morphological species concept and that's the species concept that we all use although we you know like many things that 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 are useful and and in our lives and that that um that are basically indispensable we take them for granted so we and we we focus on these things that are that seem sexy but they're not very useful. And so that thing is, one of those is the biological species concept, which is based on whether or not things can interbreed. 
I mean, the biologic. I mean, the other part about the biological species concept that makes it useless too is it's not useful at all for many types of organisms. Many organisms don't even engage in sex. Most organisms don't. And most of evolutionary sex, sex hasn't existed through most of evolutionary history. So it's not the most useful concept. That's all I'm trying to say. But already I'm, I'm starting to talk about species concepts. And when you talk about species concepts, that, that probably is, the, is the, the most common topic that just drives biologists crazy. And it drives them crazy because it is, it's just, it's a, it, it is such a pain and pain to talk about because it is, it's so tedious and no one really cares that much about it. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's some maniac somewhere who really cares about it, who might be ranting and raving somewhere about why we should adhere to one species concept versus another. I mean, there's definitely been some of the most boring papers ever written about that subject. So that's true. But, I mean, it's, the species concepts themselves are just, are just, they're, they're really, um, they're really tedious. And so I, I'll try not to uh, talk about them too much, even though I have to, and I've been, and it's probably, it's probably been a really, very tedious part of the podcast right now, just thinking about them. And so the, the other, the other thing I want to, I wanted to bring up is, is as far as species concepts is you can see that you have these different ways of naming species. And so you can say, well, I like this morphological species concept, or I like the biological species concept, but all that subjectivity in the morphological species concept first in basically what I mean by that is when I'm saying, well, one species looks a little more different or one pair of species looks a little more different than the other pair of species. So are they different species? Are they the same species? That subjectivity, the same, same goes for the biological species concept. So when you look at whether or not two groups can interbreed, it's not, there's not this hard line between either they can't, can or can't interbreed. Often you find that um, if you do pollinations or crosses between different plant species, for example, you find, well, 50% of the, the um, individuals can interbreed or you get 50% of the normal yield that you get that you would normally get if you were breeding two two things that you knew were in the same group. So in that sense, um, there's subjectivity because it's like, well, at what point, at what level of not being able to interbreed, do you call them different species? Is it just any, any slight difference in fitness? Well, that's, that's kind of useless. Or is it, does it have to be 100% lack of, um, lack, lack of ability to interbreed, right? And that that's that's probably useless too, right? Because first of all, there's there might be hybrids that are sterile, so you might have or you might have hybrids that that are that are fine, but they just produce they're just very very rare. And so, at what point do you call something different species? And that's and incidentally, that's that's one of these things where if you here I'll give a, I'll give a tip to to any creationist out here listening who's like raring to debate. A, a, bi- a biologist about evolution. So if you're ever in a debate with a biologist about evolution and you feel like you're losing this debate, right? So you're in there and you're talking about evolution and he's, you know, he's telling you he's got the crowd on his side because he's talking about he or she talking about um, evolution and has done a great job 
defining what evolution is, and you feel you're losing the argument. One way to de- totally derail any biologist's argument about evolution, well, you won't de- derail their argument, but you will definitely put some doubt in the crowd's mind because of the way modern society looks at debates. All you got to do is bring up species concepts. All you got to basically say is, you don't even, you, you call yourself an evolutionary biologist. You say you're studying biology and you don't even, you can't even give me an objective definition of what a species is. You can't even tell me what a species is. Now, a biologist that is not prepared for this, you're, they're going to get flustered because there is no objective definition for it. It's completely subjective. I mean, you can also go with the, you know, how can you even, how could Darwin even call it origin of species when there's no definition of species that, that, is, object, that is scientifically objective? It's totally true. And so you could definitely distract from the, from the argument if you're losing with that because most biologists are going to, first of all, don't want to talk about species concepts because they're just a pain. They're just nauseating. They're just, they're, they are so tedious things to talk about. I mean, only like really insufferable people really even want to talk about them. I know I just keep talking about species concepts. So what does that tell you? So, but you can totally, you could totally, um, I just think about that. Like you could, you could, you could, I mean, like if you think about the presidential debates, right? Like no one ever answers the question in a presidential debate. And then somehow people look at these performances and say one person, one versus the other one. And you're, you're at home going, what, how, who, how did they, they won? You think they won? And so that's one way. That's, that's why I always say never debate a creationist because you don't know what kind of crazy stuff they're going to come up with. But the species concepts one wouldn't be. But now, in reality, you're not, you know, just, just so you know, bringing up species concepts does not, or the, the subjectivity in the species concept does not invalidate evolution, right? It doesn't matter what concept you use, how you define species, Whatever you define them as, however you look at the group, whatever you look, however you look at the individuals, they can and do evolve. So they do have heritable changes across time. So they do change. So there still is evolution. It doesn't really matter what you call the species. But just bringing that up can completely derail many people's um, debate for, for at, least, at, least, at least a couple questions and kind of get bring some doubt into the crowd's mind because if, if the crowd, if, if the crowd's not, not completely educated, I don't know why I'm trying to help the enemy. I, I know why I know why, because they're so, it's so silly. The whole thing is just so silly. I can't help it. So anyway, it doesn't matter. Like I said, it doesn't matter what you could define species. There still is evolution. Evolution still, still works no matter how you define the species. But Whatever we do, all these species concepts and all these ways of defining species, though, we are really interested in whether things can interbreed. And the quickest way to determine whether or not things can interbreed or how likely they are to interbreed is really to look at is, is to look at them, is what the morphology is like, what they actually look like. So things that, that look different, they're different species, you know, like a radish or a dog, a radish and a dog. They're different species, dogs and cats, humans and chimps, right? So they're all 
different species. So what about um, what about human races, right? So the human races always are they all look really different, but we know they're not. We know they're they're well. Some of us know that they're not different species, right? And so by some, I mean, I guess I guess white supremacists they they I don't know. I guess they they do believe that we're different species. Yeah, yeah. I guess they would, right? I guess they believe we're different species. Yeah, they believe we're different species. And I mean, if you look at if you look at some of the if you ever ever look at some of the stuff that they write or some of the some of the things they have on like Twitter, I guess they um they kind of have changed because I think that yeah they because see they used to believe that um they used to believe that all the other races were inferior in every way, and now I guess after you know after the that Olympics where um that after Jesse Owens and Jack Johnson in those Olympics they said okay 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 now okay the blacks are good at sports i guess that's probably where they are now they're like the blacks are good at sports and they i think they basically say all yeah they do they say all the races have their own special talents so everybody's good at some things right and i think they had to, they probably had to do that too because of the asians they probably want to stick with the whites being intellectually uh superior but then the Asians just kind of blew that out of the water, right? It's like Asians in this country that, that typically do better on standardized tests. And so they, they can't just hold up standardized test scores. I mean, I bet that just burns them up. I bet the, I bet the Asians really do. Because, I mean, you can't even call it white supremacy. They can't even call it that, right? Because they want to call it that. But then it's like these Asian test scores just just killing them. Anyway, so... You know, there's there's all these things that 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 kind of that kind of go against that whole that whole ideology, right? And then, you know, you had the the black president. I mean, I could go on and on about about how how ridiculous it is. The point is, I guess there's some people who might look at at humans and say, well, they're all different species. Well, the reproductive traits are all the same, right? There's not any any real differences in the the reproductive traits, um, between these between the different humans they all interbreed they all have a totally have a shared shared evolutionary history and they continue to have one so they're not really different species i guess maybe the white supremacists see them as like varieties right like breeds of dogs or something like that that's probably that's probably where they are now that's probably what they're what they think anyways why am i talking about those people so as far as as far as biologists go Species is is subjective, and it's really an eye of the beholder, right? It still is. It's totally subjective. One biologist's um, pair of different species may another biologist might actually say that they are the same species. Now, I can think of there is a an a, one objective criteria you can use to try to define species, or or not so much define species, but we could just abandon the idea of species. We don't have to have this. We don't have to organize nature in the way that we've organized it into different species, right? We could just look at at the DNA sequence, right? We could look at two things, two organisms, whatever they are, and say, well, do they share the exact same DNA sequence? If they have any base pair that's different between them, so if they have an A, that's if, if they're completely the same except at one position there's an A in one individual, 
And then in the other individual, there's a T at that same position. Then they have a different genotype. And so we can say, well, they're different, right? If they had the same genotype, they'd be the same. So something like identical twins, they would be the same. Brother and sister, they'd be different. And we don't have to have species. And that would be completely, that would be objective, right? But the problem with that is it's not useful at all, right? It doesn't tell you anything. It doesn't tell you as much about evolution as when you organize, or at least humans, it doesn't tell us as much about evolution as it does when you organize things in terms of species. Because, I mean, you even think about it like, like different, I mean, it's different branches on a tree can even have different genotypes. So you could have one branch of a tree go through a, have a mutation. And so where, 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 what I mean by mutation is there's some change in the DNA sequence on one branch of the tree just randomly. And so the two branches could have different genotypes. And so you, would you say the two branches are, there's some fundamental difference now between the two branches on the tree or there's some important difference between the two branches on the tree? No, you know, the difference is, is probably not important. And, um, it's not that big of a deal, but it is objectively different. And so there's this, so we have to stick with this subjective definition. No matter what we call a species, it's, it's subjective, and it really is in the eye of the beholder. And, and the eye of the beholder is, is us. We, we're the ones beholding the, the species, so we have to use our senses. And since we care about this, we care about the shared evolutionary history, we're interested in, um, we're interested in whether or not the the groups that we're defining as species can can interbreed. So we're basically what I'm saying is we're basically stuck with this with this with any subjective definition of species. There's really no way out of it. And so it's funny that a a science I can't think of any other field in science. I'm sure there are that has so much subjectivity. I guess statistics has has that subjectivity too, right? Where in statistics you look at you look at it, you test a hypothesis and you want to see if you either accept or reject that hypothesis and whether or not you re reject the hypothesis depends on the level of statistical significance you're interested in. Right? So or the level of significance you're willing to accept. And so for for most biologists if there's a 0.05% chance that you're rejecting a true null hypothesis then you're not you you know then you're you worry about that 0.05% and so you may say well if it's greater than 0.05 then I'm just going to stick with the the null hypothesis I'm just going to I'm not going to try to act like these two things are different whereas in but what's so magical about 0.05 right why not 0 0.044 or why not 0 0.03 or why not why not 25%, right? And that's all subjective. And so again, there is some subjectivity in science that we always have to have to deal with, but the thing that makes it clear is 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 you always put the you always put it above board, right? You always try to you always keep it where where everyone can see where the subjectivity is. So, species they are subjective. The definitions of species are subjective. What a species is, is subjective. There's some subjectivity in science. So 
Until next time, see ya.